In ancient times, men would set aside personal comfort and strive to live a life dedicated to a higher cause. These Nazarites would resist sin, they would call others into a life of holiness, and they would let their beards grow long as they grew in virtue. In honor of these great men, each November I get together with a couple thousand men and spend a month focused on growing. Growing in community, growing in virtue, and growing out our beards. This year we launched a podcast for the Nazarite Challenge. This podcast, Bearded Virtues. My name's Tony Vicenda, and I'm excited to have myself and some of my favorite people share their reflections on Cardinal Virtues with you. Stir in Seattle, Washington, and run the Threshold Podcast. Visit and minister in Seattle, Washington, and run the Threshold Podcast. Visit and minister in Seattle, Washington, and run the Threshold Podcast. Visit and minister in Seattle, Washington, and run the Threshold Podcast. This is day eight of the Nazarite Challenge. Prudence is oftentimes called the Arija Virtutum, and I'm pretty sure I probably slaughtered the Latin on that, but it means the charioteer of the virtues, the person who drives the chariot, not the chariot itself. And if you actually think about our reflections so far, this makes sense. The charioteer looks ahead and picks the correct path to follow. In a race, a charioteer has to make both short and long-term choices, and perspective is key in this matter. The charioteer must know his own abilities and the capability of the equipment and the animals it has, and it marshals them towards the end, the victory. In this same way, prudence commands the other virtues towards our own excellent end. The goal of the charioteer is prize and honor. The bigger the prize, the more excellent they must be in pursuing it. Today, I want us to just focus on a story. Right, I want us to take some of what we've talked about over the last couple of days and put it into focus. I want you to imagine yourself walking along the road. Up ahead in the distance, you see on the road that there are others crossing to the other side to avoid something. As you get close, you realize there is a man moaning on the sidewalk. He's covered in blood, and there's no cell service in your area. I want you to think for a second about what some of your immediate passionate responses would be. What, what do you think would well up in you during that time? And there may be a number of things. There may be revulsion at the blood, pity at the sight of somebody in need, confusion at why all of a sudden you don't have cell service in the modern age, any number of things that might cause you to engage in a certain way. But what would you think some of your passions would be? Now, As we continue, the man groans that he's been beaten and robbed and he needs your help to get him to the next town, to a hospital. Now, you may have different things going on this day, but what would your preference be? If you have to pick them up and get blood on you, what would that mean? Maybe they're wealthy, maybe they're poor, maybe they have a disease, maybe they don't. What does your day look like? All these things can influence what our preferences might be in this situation. But we also have to consider what is the preference of the man in front of you. Now, he's named it clearly. He desires healing. He desires help. Now, I also want you to think for a second about what would be the preference of those who moved away from him, who completely avoided him. Maybe they had a busy schedule that day. Maybe they were worried about contracting some sort of illness from some sort of blood contact. Maybe they're just disgusted. Maybe they just can't be bothered. 
And maybe they didn't notice. Maybe they were just following the flow of traffic. Now, this story is inspired, obviously, by the 10th chapter of Luke, and you're probably familiar with it. The story of the Good Samaritan. We can think about what the Samaritan's reactions were. What were his passions and preferences? Because he was pursuing excellence in a higher end, and he was not pursuing his own law, or the law of the land, or the law of his faith, what he did was he simply saw the suffering of someone in front of him, and he weighed his options before setting aside cultural and traditional differences to encounter, heal, and care for this man. He also does not move in with this man. He doesn't adopt him as his son. He doesn't even abandon his trip that he's currently on. He simply assesses what he can do best in the situation, and he does it. This is prudence in action. The Good Samaritan, one of the the core parables that Christ explains to us that he shares with us, when it asks, what does it mean to love God and love my neighbor, is an example of love motivated into prudence which gives it perfect form. As you approach the challenges of your day-to-day, I want you to just put into practice the things that we've been talking about so far this week. Creating space, identifying our passions, probing our passions, naming our preferences, setting our preferences to the side, and pursuing what's best in this situation. Now, tomorrow we're going to talk about why we don't get mired down in these things, what it means to pursue excellence from moment to moment. And I want to be honest with you guys, this is the part that I'm absolutely worst at. But that's tomorrow. Today, I'd love to chat with you guys a little bit about this reflection over in the Facebook group. Head on over there. I also want to thank our sponsors, Catholic Bomb Co., Pink Salt Riot, the Franciscan Fires of the Holy Spirit, and eCatholic. Again, my name's Tony Basinda, and in addition to being one of the founders of Catholic Bomb Co. and the Nazarite Challenge, you can hear me regularly over on the Threshold podcast. You can find links to all of our sponsors in my podcast down below. Love to have you guys come check it out, get your feedback, and talk to you more. Also, gentlemen, until next time, stop shaving and start praying. Mm-hmm.